Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Coup de Villa channel. I'm Scott Cooper, and we are here to talk about Aston Villa versus Fulham. Yes, it's five wins in a row at home without conceding a goal. We're up to fifth, and we've got Tristan here as a special guest as well. We've got a big show ahead, and all of that is coming up after this. Okay, so it was a Tuesday night at Villa Park. Uh, Villa were flying high, um, going up into those Euro European places. And before we get into the match, I just want to say please like and subscribe if you haven't. And I'm going to throw it over to Noah, and he's going to let us know what you can do if you want to find out more about us. Yeah, so thanks for that, Scott. If you go over to our YouTube channel, at the top, all the links to all our socials, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, all at the top there. So, yeah, go chuck us a follow on all the socials. That's it. And we've also got a poll going, don't we, Noah? We Tell sure us about do. the poll. So on the community tab of YouTube and on our just normal page of Twitter pinned at the top, uh, vote for your Aston Villa Pro of the Season. So this was suggested by Roger, um, who's uh, who's been commenting a fair bit on our on our channel. But at the moment, uh, Douglas Louise is leading on both of them. So mm. make sure you guys, if you want to change that, you want to vote for Ollie Watkins or... Emmy Martinez, Tyro Mings, Ashley Young, get involved in the poll and yeah, vote for your player of the season. Yep, there's still plenty of time to uh, you know get your votes in and maybe uh, get your guy into the winning position. But it has been an interesting one that because we have had many players sort of go up and down in form this year with different managers and what have you. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Douglas Louise can stay at number one spot. But let's get into the game. And before we do, Tristan, thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, good to see you. Um, um, before we get into the game, let's, uh, why don't you give us a little rundown of um, you know, what you do and uh, how you became a Villa fan and your story as a Villa fan. Hello, Scott, Noah, Tommy, everyone out there. Great to be with you guys. Very privileged to receive an invite to join you guys tonight, especially on this undefeated run. May it long continue, and uh, it's been a rarity for us, hasn't it? We're not used to such a consistent patch of form, at least not in uh, my lifetime supporting Aston Villa. And it stems back uh, 25 years to the days when Mark Bosnich was at the football club as someone who loved... Uh, his football. I had a, a German teacher back in the day who was a Sheffield Wednesday supporter who encouraged us to get involved. And the obvious link was Mark Bosnich. And while there are some other bandwagoners who jumped aboard Arsenal and Manchester United back in the day, we saw a groundswell of support for Liverpool and probably understandable given Harry Kuehl ended up there and um, the history in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I was happy uh, supporting a side on the periphery, having played in goal myself a little bit, albeit not too well, and a career that didn't reach any great heights, uh, I was sucked in. And as we've seen in that famous YouTube clip, um, Aston Villa finds you. And that was the case for me. And it's been a tumultuous journey over <laughs> 25 years, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And let's just hope the tide is turning for the better. Well, that's it. Those uh, dark times just make these times so much more sweeter. And um, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it right now. Um, I, I enjoyed this match. I think um, there was a lot of sort of like negativity like um, on social media as there always is like on Twitter and stuff like that about maybe the performance and maybe sort of the speed and the tempo of the match. But I thought um, – we were totally dominant, especially in that first half, Tommy. And I'll go to you first. Um, 
I mean, apart from Fulham's chance in the first 30 seconds, the little bicycle kick by, uh, I think it was Venetius, um, we absolutely dominated this match. We didn't give them any chances at all. And I just really enjoyed the way that all the players seemed to be on the same sort of wavelength in terms of when to slow it down, when to quicken it up. And the, there seems to be a trigger movement that I picked up. And I, it seems to be when the ball goes to Tyro Mings, we seem to just go. And everyone starts moving. It's uh, it's quite. It was quite interesting to watch. I wonder how you thought. Uh, I think there's obviously a lot of cohesion between the plays now. What we would have considered risky maybe a couple months ago when Emery first came in is now just considered you know normal all of a sudden. And you know even going all the way back to Emmy and he's giving it to Conser and Mings and two centre backs that used to play hoofball all of a sudden turn into prime Maldini and Beckenbauer. So. Um, you know, a lot long may it continue, uh, and just seeing you know how we're able to move it from your defense to midfield to, to, to attack. Um, and I think everyone knows their roles now a lot better. Um, players like Ramsey that I think probably struggled in the beginning, um, now obviously knows his role and responsibility in the lineup as opposed to you know having free roam to go everywhere. I think Watkins obviously, Emery saying preserve your energy, stay in the front third, you don't need to work back all the way, you know, all the way back on defense, um, when, when not necessary. So um, yeah, look, it's, 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 as Tristan kind of said, and, you know, just touching on that as well, it, it's something I've never really witnessed. I kind of started following Villa during the O'Neill era. And it's almost been this like decline since then. And I think the tides turned, you know, if you, you look at Roy Hodgson, for example, right, you know, you bring in, they do a little job and then, you know, now he suffered his first defeat in four. I think the form that we've been in and, and the run that we've gone on, I think this is a genuine, um, you know, change of tide for Villa and, yeah, just exciting times ahead. Um, you know, it's probably a game of two halves. I'll save the second half for Noah or Tristan, but you know, I thought first half was really dominant. Um, you look at the stats, but I do think Fulham did seem somewhat dangerous, um, more towards the second half than the first. Yeah, I guess um, the 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 first real talking point, Noah, in that first half was um, the penalty that we should have got. Uh, I don't know what exactly is happening there with the VAR. Um, it seemed like a clear foul on Ollie Watkins. Um and um, yes, uh, from one of the later um, replays, you did see he got a slight touch on the ball, but that was after he'd already upended Ollie. So, yeah, I don't know how you saw that one. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. Obviously, watching it live, I thought it was a Stonewall pen. Yeah, um, I don't think I saw the replay of him getting the ball. I don't remember seeing that at all, but it was very early this morning at, what, 5 o'clock in the morning, so I don't quite remember seeing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was a pen. I was pretty excited to go 1-0 up quite early. Was that 10 minutes in, something like that? You know, yeah. quick fire start. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. If you get something on the ball, you know, VAR's always been inconsistent. Maybe it wasn't clear and obvious. I don't know what the, the ruling is these days. It seems to change a fair bit. Yeah, it does. It does. But, um, you know, we, uh, we, we did score the goal, Tristan, and um, it was Tyrone Mings, who first goal of the season, uh, after three corners in a row and a bit of um, sort of extended pressure, we, um, McGinn knocks it in with his left peg, and it's a, it's a one for Austin McPhee and the boys. It certainly is. I think Mings himself joked about it. His first goal since 2021, his last one came against Brighton in that season. 
And I think they really played into our hands, didn't they, uh, Fulham? They became very passive and they started to defend deeper and deeper and conceded those consecutive corners. I actually thought for such an aerial threat, they were quite lax with their marking. I know he might have been running away from goal, but to allow him unchallenged just to have the easiest of flick-ons is um, asking for trouble. And I don't think it was anything less than we deserved at that point in time. And really, they didn't fire a shot for... The vast majority of the match, the stats would tell you that. They only had one shot registered. Um, but you'd have to say there were some nervy moments, as Tommy alluded to in the second half. We'll get to that momentarily. Um, I suppose my thoughts about Fulham and the way they were going to come to Villa Park, I counted our blessings prior to the match. I, I messaged Noah on Saturday night, having watched William against Leeds. I actually thought he could be a, a thorn in our side, and he trudged mm. off a little bit gingerly late in the piece. I thought he was somewhat vulnerable. And having had a look at the lethargy within our ranks today, I just thought we were a little leggy, and that's understandable given there hasn't been much squad rotation, the, the short turnaround between games. I thought he could have posed a threat to Ashley Young. So... Um, despite the early scare, we did dominate that first half and it uh, was well finished in the end by Mings, who's just going from strength to strength. Absolutely. is, And um, it, was a, it was a cracking header as well. And I think he actually got his head to the two previous corners as well. So it was obviously a plan and, um, you know, well executed by uh, Mings. And um, uh, I thought one thing, Tommy, that was uh, interesting was um, – the uh, how much Marine, Moreno was getting forward on the left as opposed to Ashley Young on the right as right back. He was sort of staying and making it like a back three at times and Moreno was bombing right on and getting uh, a fair bit of joy in that first half. Well, I think out of our, our fullbacks, Moreno is definitely the more dangerous of the two bombing forward and I think he's got a bigger engine. So I reckon I, I just have a feeling that uh, Emery probably said, look, you're more than welcome to bomb forward, but as long as you're tracking back and I reckon Moreno can probably cover a lot more ground than Young. I think we've seen a lot of Young's cautions actually come from when they're on a counter and he probably just hasn't got that leg power that he used to. So, um, look, Moreno's been dangerous. I think everyone said Emery's basically had the same squad bar Moreno. Haven't really seen a whole lot of Durant to really judge him yet, but I think Moreno's been outstanding at left back and definitely got a dangerous peg on him, right? Like that's a ball you want into the box. And, I mean, if, if I was in Emery's shoes, I'd certainly be making Young stay back as well um, while Moreno bombs forward. So, um, yeah, it's been a fantastic signing so far. Would love to see him get a goal, you know, based on his YouTube highlights pre-joining Villa. Looks like he's not afraid to ping one or two from far. Yeah, well, we might see that in the coming games. Let's hope so. Um, one one guy that probably does need a goal and uh, um, is Emmy Buendia, Noah. Um, I think he was quite frustrated in this game. There was one moment where him and Ollie had words. Um, he didn't get the pass he wanted. There was the opportunity for Ollie against Brentford where you know he got a bit frustrated right at the end of the game there too. And um, I just think he's 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 always there and his effort can never be questioned and he's trying things and he's obviously the guy in the team that's allowed the freedom to try different things and he's going to make mistakes, but it just doesn't seem to be clicking right now. I thought he was going to pinch that goal off Tyrone Rings, to be honest. I thought he was going to just tap it into the roof of the net on the goal line, but unfortunately it didn't. I guess if he was that desperate for a goal, he would have, uh, would have snuck that one in off his own boot. But, I mean, I love the frustration because I think it means how passionate he is. And he really does care. Like he wants Ollie to make that run differently. You know, he wants the pass receipt differently because he wants to score or assist more goals. I think he only has like one or two assists this season. Yeah. Our best playmaker is quite remarkable. 
So I know, because he's created a lot of chances. I think he's he's one of the he's got the most created chances out of the whole team. But um, I know for some reason they're just not going in right now, and it just doesn't seem to be going his way. But um, you know, I do. I do enjoy his game. I do enjoy the fact that he he always wants the ball no matter where he is on the field. And, you know, he's always got like that sort of spirit to go on and win the game for us and make things happen. But, um, you know, maybe it'll be against United on Sunday. He'll do something special. We'll have to wait and see. But um, going in at halftime, I guess, Tristan, the only thing was it's only 1-0. Uh, we were dominating the game, like you said earlier. We... Uh, we had the better chances. Um, Ashley Young had a pretty good shot as well. Uh, um, just sort of just went wide, got deflected, I think. And, um, you know, but um, the second half, like Tommy said, um, we saw a bit of a different Fulham and we kind of uh, paid the price, I think, a little bit for not getting that second goal and killing the game. Yeah, we certainly did. And I've listened to a few other podcasts prior to coming on here tonight. And it was interesting just to talk about the fact that people thought we put the queue in the rack, were comfortable and thought, oh, it's true. We have been more comfortable than we have ever been in terms of maintaining a lead where in the past we would have drawn that game or even gone on to lose it. But oh, well, one, it's dangerous. I thought there was a certain naivety about it. If we thought that Fulham were not going to react in some way after half time, they weren't going to be as poor as they were in that first half. And it actually surprised me. Um, their patience, I think, in the build-up. If ever they were going to unsettle us, it was going to be a, a quick cross into the box. It's defenders' pet hate. We just didn't see enough of that. Um, obviously, I think it was Reid who, who snuck offside and, and converted. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that, that that higher line is something we pride ourselves on. But even that, um, that deflected shot off uh, off Mings, I think it was, that, that Martinez ended up saving, it just causes a little bit of havoc. And I, I just wonder if they could have stretched us a little bit more. They allowed us to maintain shape. Uh, and despite some nervy, nervy moments, we, we defended really well with cohesion, as we've shown in recent weeks, and, and had the odd glimmer at the other end. But um, look, the optimistic way of looking at it is that we're conserving some energy for Sunday, and um, it's all systems go towards United, which we're going to get to shortly. I definitely think we were conserving energy. I think um, it, once we got the lead, I think, you know, we decided we're going to keep the ball, we're going to, you know, take the sting out of the game, and you know let them come at us a bit and they did that and um you know if they had mitrovic in the team they might have knocked a few balls you know into the box a bit more often but I'll you know they... out of my mouth you took the words out of my mouth well go on then say say yeah i mean <laughs> well, um... I, was say, I think fulham have actually adapted quite well and they're pinching points off you know teams progressing higher than them in the ladder so um i think they're just as dangerous a side without mitrovic you have to adapt and i think they've got more than capable replacements like Look at even the likes of William. Like, how the hell did they nab him? You know, I know he's probably on some good money, but still, um, you know, their manager's probably, I wouldn't say, you know, it's Emery standard, but I think he's, he's definitely able to, you know, make necessary changes in game. Um, and and they, they probably looked the more dangerous side of the two in the second half. And, you know, football's a game of two halves. I say offense wins games, but defense wins championships. And I think that's what we have right now. I think, you know, one thing we probably haven't touched on is obviously a blessing in disguise that Martinez was in goals. If that was awesome, I think we'd all be shitting bricks for the whole 90. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, yeah, we look a far different defense when Martinez is there. He's so calm. He's, um, you know, he's vocal. He's a presence. He's just, you know, I think Concer and Mings especially play so much better when he's there right behind him. And, um, that was evident last night. Um, another person who was evident last night 
Noel was Douglas Louise. He got the man of the match. And I think under Emery, you could say he's possibly our most improved player. Um, he is having an unbelievable season. He's, you know, leading our poll as our player of the season. And um, he's the player now that we thought he could be when we signed him, when we got promoted, you know, and um, he's got that, he had that Man City sort of, you know, past, you know, Pep wanted him, couldn't get him because of the work permit. And we all thought, oh, we're getting a Man City player here. He's going to be proper. And I think we're seeing it now that he's playing his best football. A hundred percent. If you're a Manchester City fan, I think you're really upset you didn't activate the buyback clause last season or two seasons ago, whatever it was, because mm. um, they could make some serious money on Douglas Louise. He is just outstanding. He's turned, I think, better than that lockdown uh, blonde hair Dougie that we all remember very well. Um, but I saw a stat on on Twitter that he, under all the managers he's played under, and how many games played under Emery? 20 games under Unai Emery? That he now yeah. has, under all his managers, Emery's the second most like goal evolvements. Like behind Dean Smith, and yep. he played for Dean Smith on like for what a season and a bit. Yeah, probably seasons, like 60, 60, 70 games. Yeah. Yeah. So a fair, a fair yeah. bit, a two and a bit seasons, mm. and he's only like two goal contributions off passing him, and he's played twenty wow. games under Unai Emery, which has just shown the how much he's improved as a player under in this system, and I reckon he can get even better. And there was a moment in the second half that Ollie could have put him in. Um, he went on a little run and and gave the ball to Ollie. Um, and I think he expected the ball back, but Ollie tried to have a shot. Um, you know, he's in good form, so you know, you can't really, you know, knock him for that. But, um, yeah, he's making those runs into the box as well as you know, McGinn and Ramsey, and it just seems to be, um, so fluid at the moment, Tristan. Our midfield, we've got so many different options, so many, um, strengths in there. Dendonk is playing well as well. So um, we've got a lot of weapons and it must be hard for the opposition team to sort of pick us up. It certainly would be. And don't we just look like a galvanised unit? And it's amazing what investment of faith and trust can do for players when they're second guessing, wondering whether the coach is going to put them on the guillotine after the match. It's no surprise. You're not going to get the best out of them. And I've had debates on Twitter with people um, the negative Nancy's of the Villa community saying, oh, these are highly played players and they should perform regardless of the circumstances. But the fact remains they're human. And I think Embry's pushing the right buttons. They've clearly got a respect for him and they want to work together for a common goal. Uh, and that's what we're seeing at the moment. I do think our, our fluidity and, and fluency is there. We've adapted to this playing out from the back faster than I think anyone could ever have imagined. If there's one criticism, I think it's probably going back to our Moreno discussion from earlier. Um, we clearly use the left flank more than the right for attacking purposes. I thought some opposition sides might prey on that a little bit more. If you, if you yep. look what Brentford did and Buemo and maybe even West Ham when Bowen caused Moreno a few headaches, I'm surprised mm. they haven't sought to, to prey on that side a little bit and the vulnerabilities there. But... Um, I can't imagine Eric Ten Hag's going to be watching this podcast, but good evening if you are, Eric. Um, I certainly don't think he'll be taking uh, my tactical guidance. But on the whole, uh, it's been a bit breath of fresh air. We're patient. Um, we're cohesive. Our, our one-touch passing is better than it has been, although I still think we can improve. Um, and I think, yeah, it all goes well for the future. And that's it. And Tommy, it's 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 a really exciting future. We've got the the stadium upgrades um, coming, um, the North Stand uh, refurbishment. We've got um, 
owners who are bound to just pump some money behind Emery in the summer. And um, there's talk of uh, uh, La Salso. There's um, there was a, uh, a a South Korean player that I saw from New oh, Yorker. Uh, that... Kang, 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 whatever it is. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. So um, we've. Yeah. We've got a few links. Um, there was also a link for um, a sort of like uh, Walker and Calvin Phillips. Noah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't that. know. I don't know. Um, you know, if you guys had any thoughts on like players like that that you'd like to see in the team, but at the moment we seem to be pretty well covered. <laughs> well, wouldn't be surprised if there's a bid for Harry Kane if we finish above Spurs. To be honest, <laughs> no, um, I, I think speaking of the bright future, I think we're forgetting about our wonderful youth. Right, we've got a bunch of players thriving. Archer on the score sheet again. Kids looking dangerous. I really can't wait to see him in the squad. Um, it almost makes me question, was the Durant signing even worth it in the end? Because now Traore is starting to shine again. Um, I almost think Traore and Bailey are competing for the same spot. But again, if we sign someone, you know, end of season, I think that's almost going to slot that in. So I think Bailey and Traore might actually see the pine a little bit more than they need to. Um, I think it's looking dangerous. Look, if we make yeah. top six, I think there's going to be a war chest. If we make top four, I don't even know. It's going to be some Sultan, <laughs> the Sultan of the Emery. What is it? The Sultan of Villa. They call yeah. him now. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think top four is probably a little bit too much to uh, hope for. But hey, you were li- you were literally saying top four is in reach before the pod, Scott. Don't, uh, I, don't I was saying that I, I said that Newcastle aren't that far away, but no, we would wow. we would need to be pretty much perfect, and we've got some tough games, oh, but. I think what's going to play into our hands now, and it's really going to be a testament to whether we have improved and turned that corner, or I wouldn't say this is a bubble, but who knows, right? I said we're playing a lot of teams in the vicinity of where we are now, between, you know, second to six, right? And if we can nab Man City, all of a sudden we're within reach. If we can nab points off United, if we can beat Liverpool, you know, I do, I, I kind of want to avoid saying it's going to go down to, you know, deadline day against Brighton, but um, I think that's okay, so way- Okay, so five games to go, 15 points available. Right. Yeah. We've got United away. Yeah. Um, Wolves away. Yeah. Tottenham at home. Liverpool away. Brighton at home on the final day. How many points are we getting? All, all you boys from those five. Ten, Ten. for Noah. Yeah. I think the uh-huh. only game we'll drop points in is Liverpool away. I think we'll lose that. Sorry, like the only game no, we'll lose. I, I, I'm going to go with eight. I'm going to think two draws, two wins, and I think there'll be a loss. And I, I honestly. I don't want to say it, but I think it could be Wolves, right? Because they're just upsetting teams left, right and centre all of a sudden. They've got a really good home record under Lopetegui and we've found yep. it traditionally a tough place to go, haven't we, for whatever reason. And we struggle, That's right, said, just that, that natural derby. So Realistically, um, you should be putting a line through the past two years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've just been walking, running around That's like true. Edwards Chooks without true. any it's guidance. Right. So let's disregard that. I, I tend to agree with you, Tommy. I think it's probably around the eight mark. Um, I think Liverpool is going to be extremely difficult. That said, we've got to be, we and other opposition sides have to be buoyed by what we saw from Forest at the weekend, right? They really took it up to them and were probably unlucky not to take anything from that game. I think United and Brighton are both gettable. United, because they're going to be fatigued after a big um, 
big uh, couple of weeks of matches. And Brighton the same. They've got nine matches to play, don't they, still, between now and they the do. end of the season. So they're yeah. going to be a little bit vulnerable. And who knows which Tottenham you're going to get. Uh, well, the wheels will right. truly exactly. have fallen off. But they Ho- Hopefully just... the Tottenham we saw in the first 20 minutes at uh, St. James's Park oh, the other night. Man. Were, well, you that... think about it, right? We put three past Newcastle. They put six past Burst. So in theory, we should be putting 12 past Burst. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like that that adds up. That That's... Uh, that's the statistical way. I'm always going to give an absurd number now. Well, I am going to ask you a prediction. I'm going to ask you your prediction for Manchester United away on Sunday because we we need to wrap it up. And we, um, how do you think we'll get on at Old Trafford, Tommy? I'm going to be humble and say four nil. <laughs> well, you did say seven nil against Brentford, and at half time, I did text the group chat and say I don't think your seven nil is going to happen here, Tommy. But um, so no, no, four... I'll take it back. I, I, I think 2-0. I think it'll be 2-0. I think we're pretty good at keeping keeping clean sheets. I think our away form is surprisingly incredible. Um, I think 2-0. And United, I think they've just been scraping through wins. I don't think they're putting dominant performances in. It's almost like, how are they that far up the table? I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I, I'm going for a 2-2. I think a 2-2. Even 2 to them. Uh, I was just going to go a 1-0 like, like a Courtney horse. You know, kind of snatch and grab sort of situation. Nice. Yeah, like Gabby O'Bonghall back in the day as well. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, yeah. how are you Hart seeing tells, that one? Hart tells me we can edge them. 2-1 win for Villa. Um, hoping like Carl Fernandez doesn't get up for the game. Uh, Head probably tells me a share of the spoils, 1-1, something like that. I think it'll be a tight tussle. I am hoping they're fatigued and leggy because yeah. if we can get at them early, uh, just plant that seed of doubt. Well, that's it. We played on. We played on Saturday and Tuesday. They played on Sunday, and they got to play Spurs on Thursday, which is, you know, quite a big game in terms of uh, top four or you know Europa League or whatever. So, um, yeah. So, um, Noah, you've got something to finish up with. A nice stat, I hear. Yes, this is about the game that obviously just played against Fulham. Right. Did you guys know it was the first midweek game we'd won? So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday since July 2020 versus Arsenal. So I was behind closed doors. Yeah. And then the last time we won with fans was when I was there against Watford in January 2020 when uh, Tyrone Mings technically scored. Yeah, when it flicked Esri Conter shot and... Yeah. Flicked, uh, uh, yes, and they didn't give Mings. it to Conter on... Yeah, yeah, they gave it to that, Mings last minute. That's a long time ago. And we played a lot of games in that situation. So five draws... Well, I guess losses. we don't play many midweek games... Well, we played it's... nine at Vill- nine okay. at, nine at Villa Park. I think wow. It is. Okay. Well. Yeah. That is incredible. Um, do we have any more midweek games coming up? I don't. I, I, don't I think, think that's do. it now. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I you think know who I want to be we've played the most right games, right? Yep. I think a few of the teams around us. I want to be avoiding West Ham right now. If I'm playing them, they look like they're in red hot form and that things have finally come together. Funny enough, when a coach's job is on the line, the team always seems to string a few wins together. So uh, I think it'll be an interesting end of the season for them. Yes, it's certainly interesting down the bottom of the league. That's for sure. I'm glad we're not involved in that. <laughs> it's uh, it's um, but Dean Smith, you know, got a win for Leicester last week and got a point the other point night. So um, yeah. hopefully for his sake, we uh, Leicester can pull themselves out of the bottom three and stay up. Uh, and but if they do go down, you know. Maybe we can have a, take a Madison or a Harvey Barnes or someone. All, all <laughs> you know. all, all, we'll, just, we'll just send all of our youth on loan to Leicester next season, help them get promoted. That's right. We'll just send them to Dino. Club. 
That's it. He's, he knows all about them. Um, well, um, thanks, everyone, for watching. Please um, like and subscribe. Follow us on socials and everyone. And we've just re really enjoyed all the interactions, all the comments recently. You guys are the greatest and we we read every one and we, we, we talk about them and you guys are just the best fans. So keep it up and um, let us know how you think we'll go against United, how you think um, – uh, how many points we'll get in our last five games of the season and make sure to do the poll if you haven't for the player of the year because that's uh, that's going to be wrapping up on Sunday after the United game so we will see you all there up the villa Ooh. and catch you later up the villa <laughs>